0: This is your host, Casey O'Neill, with the Farm and Reefer Report. <laughs> Glad to be here. Uh, it's a good day. Cold, sunny, getting some work done. Feeling uh, feeling the spring, starting to, to spring. Doing a lot of work in the hoop houses right now, clearing old crops, getting new crops in the ground, doing a lot of direct seeding, starting seeds in the trays in the hoop house, and then also... Um, doing a lot of, of sewing in, in beds, sewing rows, mostly salad mixes. Been doing uh, this Tokyo Bacana mix for a couple years now. It's Tokyo Bacana, uh, Toscano Kale, and, and Mizuna. And it's it's pretty Tokyo Bacana dominant because um, it just that, that stuff comes on so heavy. And it's great. It's super tender, it's super mild. Really love it. It doesn't. It doesn't struggle with freeze like lettuce does. We're doing some lettuce, you know, but but not a huge amount. Um, salad turnips, the the Hakurai salad turnips. Oh man, they're so good, especially this time of year. They're just all sweet and mild. Um, the greens are good too. So I've been doing a lot of stir fries. I'm like the stir fries like my jam. I pretty much. I got two meals. It's either a stir fry or it's a roast. <laughs> And, and the stir-fry changes, you know, the ingredients change over the course of the year, uh, depending upon what veggies are available, and uh, the roast is pretty much a winter jam. You know, might occasionally do it in the solar oven in the summer, but for the most part, it's pretty much winter. But I've been thinking a lot about cooking, thinking about the the ritual of cooking, the process of, of preparing food, so I'm going to talk about that quite a bit during the course of the show, uh, talk about you know, what, how farming is working right now, what things to be starting, um, what, what's doing well for us this year, it's kind of variable, you know, we always play the, the, the roulette game in, in winter farming, but now we're starting to get into, you know, moving towards spring, spring farming, it's go time for some stuff, uh, 2-2-22, February, man, still, uh, you know, in it, February in the morning and late spring in the afternoon, and then as soon as the sun starts to get down, right back to February. um, We talk some, you know, some animal stuff. Pigs got some pigs out on pasture, been having some pluses and minuses with that that I'm kind of working my way through, grappling with, and such. Uh, And then spending a lot of time on the computer. Like I spent most of today on the computer, which, you know. cold out, so that was good, Um, some of it's really great, some of it's not so great, I'll talk a bit about that too, Uh, planning, spreadsheets, applications and things, all that good stuff, Um, but so, you know, this, what I really want to get into in terms of of cooking is this, again, this this ritual, this process in which food is this sacred thing, it's this energy, this fuel, and, and I think too often it's a reductionist um, uh, mentality in which it's, it's just fuel. It's fuel for a machine. As opposed to this, this interaction that we have with, with plants, with animals, you know, depending on our food choices. and I, I've been paying a lot of attention to how I feel when I'm eating um, you know, farm-fresh food, farm-fresh vegetables, when I'm eating good quality meats versus when i'm eating cheese and crackers or processed foods you know and and don't get me wrong like i love me some cheese and crackers um and and snackies in general but at the same time like i've i've really as i as i get older i really have been kind of paying attention to how i operate and and you know we tend to think of like eat the food feel the way we feel after we eat the food, that's that's how it goes. But I've been starting to pay attention to like the broader cycles, the longer cycles where like if I'm really on my game and I really eat well for like two or three days in a row, like my mental health is way better. And and so again, you know, for me, a lot of the time I think of that cause and effect as just being like I eat the food and then I feel the way I do right afterwards as opposed to like the cumulative cumulative effect of it over, you know, days in a row. Same thing, like, taking my vitamins, Uh, am I drinking enough water, (laughs) am I drinking too much booze, am I drinking too much coffee, Um, really went through a a big, big recalibration for myself this winter, Um, got real sick after the Emerald Cup and had to, just really had to kind of back off of things, and, and, you know, I was definitely having a problem with, with really abusing caffeine last fall, so backing off on the coffee some has been really good for me I think but it's also it's been very hard in terms of the farm work because instead of like just drinking a big cup of coffee going out there jam out it's like oh I'm outside kind of like oh this is a bunch of work I gotta do right now and okay and so just really kind of um coming to grips with being able to have a different pace in my life and and being comfortable with that being able to accept This is what I'm going to get done, and that's fine, as opposed to, you know, for so long it was like, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, drink another cup of coffee, go out with the headlamp in the pocket because you know it's going to get dark before the job gets done. And, like, you know, really trying to to back away from that, especially with the the seasonal transitions in which this time of year it gets dark early, so I'm trying to knock off early and figure that as, you know, we get later into the spring and we get the time change and it starts getting light later, I'll be working longer hours at that point. And and really trying to, you know, to manage this process of self care, um, coming off a of last harvest, you know, being pretty burnt out, and and re- and then crashing really hard, like crashing harder than I think I ever have in my life, and trying to figure out okay, uh, how do I do this in a more sustainable way, and and definitely rolling with the punches of of you know the the market crash, the changes in in how cannabis operates and how um all of the paperwork and all of that stuff operates for our farm and and looking at you know a a drastically more limited budget than i had last year and trying to figure out like what things i'm gonna cut you know and and because and there's some stuff where like you can only cut so far before you hit bone and so it's it's definitely it's been a it's been a very stressful time for us and and I think in general there's a lot of stress in the community right now we're kind of all trying to 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 weather this process and figure out what happens next and how it goes forward and there's the unknowns of it which is which is disconcerting and and so it kind of comes back around to this this ritual of food of food preparation of soil of hands in the dirt of growing food that i can then prepare and really trying to do as as much for myself as i can and also to to focus on those rituals to focus on the the constancy of them and the and the the continuity of them and, you know it's the old like creature of habits right where the more that we're able to to maintain um, a routine and and the the more that things feel uh, normal then then the better you know the, the better my overall mental health is and the more that I'm able to deal with the the larger stressors and so that that question of self-care is i, I think is very very important for us right now it's very important for me and you know mine one of my uh, routines obviously is is to to write and i you know I spend a lot of time Right, you know, I got into the habit this year of really sitting down and, and writing every morning, getting up early and sitting down and writing for, you know, whether it's for 20 minutes, whether it's for a half hour, whether it's for an hour, but just taking the time to, to block that out for myself, you know, drink a cup of tea, have a few sips of coffee, and and take the time to get some thoughts down on paper, whether I'm writing a story, whether I'm writing a column, you know, that that's, that's kind of a... That's, that's part of my self-care routine, and it's different for everybody, you know, um, playing music, taking a hike, taking a bath, uh, watching a show, whatever it is that we, you know, that we incorporate these self-care routines into our, our life process in a, in a consistent and meaningful way, because, and this is another thing that I've, you know, that I'm kind of trying to transition out of, is there's so many times where, like, I just get in grind mode, and I'm like, ah, all that stuff. We'll just sacrifice it. We're grinding, and like that's that's not healthy. It's toxic, and so um, and and it's also like I hit that manic where I'm like thriving on the grind, and and you get depleted and you deplete yourself, and 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 also one of the things I've been kind of really paying attention to is how much it depletes my relationships and my family, and that that when I take the time, and when I when I'm paying attention to that stuff, it's, it's different. My interactions are different. My life is qualitatively better. Uh, also been really, uh, enjoying playing around with, with micro dosing, um, whether it's, and a lot of the time for me, it's like, you know, cause there's different, different people say different patterns, you know, like, uh, every other day or one day on two days off or three days on a few days off, something like that. And, I've been very inconsistent with it for quite some time like you know it's whenever I think of it and so now I'm kind of trying to get in that habit of like you know if I think of it I take them and that way uh, it's you know I'm not trying to maintain a rigid schedule where like I think about it like oh I could do a microdose right now but it's not the it's not the day for that um, and so that way it's like if it pops into my head well clearly then that's what's meant to happen right now and um, and it's been really effective for me you know and, and I'm talking in general, sub perceptual doses. Uh, for me, you know, psilocybin is preferable. Um, we've been making these capsules, psilocy- uh, you know, 500, um, milligrams total, uh, 450 milligrams of, of, uh, lion's mane, 50 milligrams of psilocybin. Um, and you know, obviously there's varying potencies and so, you, you know, you kind of play around with it, but, Generally shooting for a sub-perceptual dose, you know, not really wanting to end up uh, uh, picking squash. I mean, this happened to me last summer. I got a hot dose, called a spicy one, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm out there picking squash in the sun, and I'm just sweating, and I'm it's kind of like, woo, wow, woo, and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm just like, oh, I know what's going on. <laughs> I got a buddy. He's a farmer up in Humboldt, and, you know, in that, that kind of moisture belt up uh, McKinleyville area, and and he talks because he's got, you know, they just grow wild on his property, and like I'll be talking in the morning, and he's like, oh, hello, and then a while later, he's like, ooh, that was spicier than I expected, um, but I think there's, you know, long story short, I think there's a lot of a lot of value, a lot of benefit, especially in the sub-perceptual dose, there's a lot of times for me where like I don't even feel them, but I'm just out working, and I'm just in the zone, and I'll think about it later, and I'm like, man, that was, that was great. I was like, really remembering how I was gonna do the work, and and I was kind of planning it out so I could do it the most efficient, remembering to bring the tool with me and the grab the bucket on the way by, and not having to make multiple trips. Whereas, you know, it's kind of funny for me a lot of times, like with cannabis, I'll I'll be like okay, I'm going this way, and I'll, oh, I was going to do something else, and I'll stop, and I'll turn around, and I'm like, oh wait, but the other thing, and I'll stop, and I'll turn back around, and I'm kind of uh, hemming and hawing. Um and, and so, and I, I think also, there may be a question of uh, dosage involved there as well, and so I'm kind of really just reflecting on the difference between like always going for the heroic dose, because that was kind of always my jam, like, you know, go hard or go home, if you're going to do it, might as well go big, uh, and and now I really am kind of feel same and the same with caffeine like you know I was like drink a big cup of coffee and go out just all sweaty and shaky and, and like well why not just have a little bit of coffee or a little bit of psilocybin or a little bit of cannabis and go out feeling very level and calm and capable and just in the zone so you know those are some thoughts that <laughs> you know just want to reiterate self-care important. Uh, listening to music is another one of those things that really does it for me. Uh, just out working, got the headphones in. But it's kind of funny too, because this is the time of year where like the birds come back and the sounds of spring start to happen. So I think about it sometimes in terms of like, oh, this is me outside, just got my headphones on, not really listening to the the rest of the things happening. My little buddy's back, my, my favorite, my favorite sp- spring bird. He's like, sweet, 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 sweet. And I'm like, yes it is, little buddy yes it is and uh and it's interesting like look, my little buddy's back early this year and i got daffodils blooming already and it's like whoo, it's a it's an early year this year um but at the same time you know it's like these high pressure systems set up in january I, I feel i almost feel like more times in my life than not like i remember being a kid up on the hill and like playing in the creeks this time of year because it was so warm and the water was all flowing and and so now obviously, we need a lot more rain. We've got a good amount of rain already. Uh, it's early enough. I'm not stressing it yet. I'm just making hay while the sun shines. Um, my pasture is just incredible this winter. Uh, we, you know, we ran the we ran both chickens, uh, both laying hens and meat birds, and then also turkeys on the pasture this last uh, this last summer. You know, spring and summer. And, and then we got those early rains. Man, we haven't had those early rains in a few years. And, and oh boy, it got everything off and growing. And, and so everything is just so lush and so green. And, and I got these these Cooney Cooney pigs. They're, uh, they're from New Zealand originally. And they're, they're more of a grazing pig than they are a, a, a rooting pig, a digging pig. And so I've been using the electric fence to to get them out on pasture. And there's a few different threads I want to pick up here. One, a little bit of a discussion about electric fencing. Two, the conversation about rooting versus grazing. Um, And there was a third thing that I'm having a hard... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The the interactions that I've had uh, with wild pigs versus tame pigs. And so um, just start off with the electric fence question because... We got a little bit of pig netting that's like the, it's low, it's the white netting, um, you know, it's about two and a half feet tall, it's pretty easy to lay out. I got some of that, I'd like to buy more of it, but i also been using the chicken netting, the, the poultry netting, which is a little more of a pain to, to move around, but pretty effective. And then the third option that I've been working with, and I haven't really got into it this year at all yet, is the the single strand wire, and and just like the push in posts with the clips on them, and then you run the single strand around a couple of times and keep the pigs in. You got to train them to that a little bit, because if they if they know if they figure out that they can duck under it by just going quick, well then you, your electric fence isn't going to keep the pigs in. And so I'm kind of contemplating a switch to that because it's just it's so much faster to set up it's just it's pretty much as quick as you can you know push the posts in and then unspool the wire and then just hook it up to the main line or hook it up to the charger um we get you know I, I think there's a bunch of fencing companies out there i tend to order from premier one they've been great all their stuff's been really flawless you know it's the pulse charger so it's not like it's not like the old days with the, the steady current charger where you mess around and start things on fire it's just it's the pulse and so on the one hand it's great because you're not going to start fires which is obviously pretty crucial on the other hand you know you things can you know animals can figure out like oh if i just hit it you know because they can hear it too and you know and so if i just hit it in between the pulse i can duck right through it and so i had a little pig that was doing that a little boar that was doing that and and during the fall and kind of getting out and going to forage acorns and making a mess Um, and I had so I got one little guy he's half cooney cooney half guinea hog and I got two biggins one's a female one's a male who are just pure cooney coonies you know short stubby noses super fat super funny looking um super mellow and docile which is something I really like like I can climb in there with them and pet them and they're They'll roll over for belly scratches. They're not gonna try and eat me. So, um, that's something that I, I really dig about them. And up until this year, they had never done any rooting at all, really. And then, during the summer, we had there was a there was a wild sow with three piglets coming around, and somebody shot the sow. And I'm not sure what happened to the other two piglets, but all of a sudden there was one piglet, who was you know, probably three or four months old, about 40 pounds or so. And she started just coming in and hanging out with my pigs. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where like at first she was just coming and staying the night. And I think it was as much about, you know, the huddle, the the, kind of the comfort and the safety of it as anything else. And as time went on, she was just kind of around more and more um, eating apples and trying to come in and get some of the pig food. And she, was, she had learned that she could just bowl right through the electric and it wasn't going to phase her. And that was problematic, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then also, she taught the Cooney Coonies how to root. She showed them, like, oh, if you just get your snout down in here, you can really dig some things up. Uh, and so that's been frustrating. Um, you know, as it got to the end of the year, we did end up putting the, putting the little wild pig in the, in the freezer because she just she just was rooting so much in the pasture just tearing things up. And so I have been getting the the coonies out on pasture these last couple of weeks cuz it's been warm and dry and it's everything is green. And and boy they they eat, they eat a lot of grass. They'll just sit out there and nom 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 and it's it's awesome. But they also been ripping things up and it's been you know it's, it's places where it was like oh that was really lush tall green grass and you just dug it all up and flipped it all around. Um And so, you know, what I'm kind of playing around with is like, you know, A, I think I need to supplement them pretty well with with some sort of protein. And so I've been giving them, you know, chunks of alfalfa, which seems to help uh, because if they get hungry or they get bored, that's when they start really digging, it seems like. And, and I've been needing to really move them every, try to move the pasture, the, the, the fenced area every day, every 36 hours, like ideally every day. Um, we've been doing it every couple, three days, and there's definitely been some digging and, and mess making. And then... Also, you know, it's like it's early enough in the year that wherever they've they've kind of rooted it around, I'm putting down some pasture seed and I'm kind of raking it back over and I'm just irrigating a little bit. I'm running a little sprinkler on it because i got enough water right now. And that way I can, you know, I can reroute some of the stuff that got ripped out. I can get new stuff germinated, you know, I'm sowing some clover and some alfalfa and some uh, millet and some things that'll, you know, that'll provide a food source at a time of year where if I can get them up and germinated, they'll really take off and go because there's going to be enough moisture over the next few months. So I, you know, I'm looking for the silver lining. I'm kind of trying to turn, turn a frustration into something that I'm excited about. And I'm, I'm kind of prototyping it for when we, we move the pigs up to the ranch and, you know, cause there's a lot of pasture up there that's been, you know, that's seen some hard use over the years and we wanna kinda of reinvigorate it and so I can use the pigs to to kinda of rip it up some, get it loosened up and then put the seed down, irrigate it a bit, and uh be able to really, you know, jump start it. So overall, you know, I, I think it's gonna be a win. We we shall see. Um it's nice to see him like enjoying the grass and, and just getting out there and really uh, really making use of it. I'm, I'm curious to see how it all comes back because we'll get chickens onto it. You know, we'll get the laying hens back out there sometime this month, most likely. May- maybe not till March, depends on how the weather holds. And then in March, we usually get little tiny meat birds, little babies, and we'll keep them in a brooder for six weeks or so, get them out onto pasture and close chicken tractors for another six weeks or so, and then let them free range a bit for the last three or four weeks. That's how we've been doing it. We've been raising these. Uh, they call them the the Freedom Rangers, <laughs> um, and actually, that's not true. We were doing the Freedom Rangers for a couple of years, and then we just switched to the Red Rangers. I like the name a little better. It's a little more uh, mild, uh, you know. Because the the standard the the Cornish crosses they run about eight weeks, eight you know six eight ten weeks, depending on what size bird you want. And the Red Rangers they tend to run. More like 12 to 14. we've done them as long as 15 weeks. I really like a large bird I want you know I want to slaughter a five six seven pound bird. I want to eat several meals off of it so I tend to raise them and, and run them longer than you know if I was trying to really turn and burn them for sale um, but so'm I'm, I'm kind of looking at this pasture and, and ca- trying to calculates the wrong word because that that implies something a lot more effective than what I'm doing, but just trying to look at it and say, all right, how long can I run these pigs on this? What's the regrowth going to look like? Am I going to beat it up too much? And, you know, it's all kind of guessing, but golly, you figure it out and, and try to keep a little bit of notes and... and um, get better at it as the years go on. And like, for instance, I, the pasture looks better than anything I've ever seen this time of year. Like it's, it's kind of a testament to how effective the rotational grazing has been. And it's it's something that, you know, it makes you feel good. You're like, Oh, this, this management program is, is working. So kind of adding the pigs into that and and kind of playing around with it is I'm, I'm getting a kick out of it. Yes, indeed. So (laughs) I never thought I would be saying what I'm about to say next, but I have been enjoying myself some spreadsheets lately. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of funny because it's like, it's the old, well, a failed plan is a plan to fail, and all that good stuff. And and so it's the season, trying to get things figured out, especially you know budgets and such this year. It's like. Oh man, just moving all the pieces around and trying to figure out a way to make it all work and and but also but kind of really settling into spreadsheets and and like don't get me wrong like like I can't really do the equations and all the like fancy things where this adds up to that and this and such and such but I can like I got a column of numbers and I can total them up and tell it to do the sum and give me the total so I don't have to add them individually. Like I'm I'm getting a little bit of skills here and there slowly. <laughs> Um, but you know, this idea that there's like various facets to, to farm planning and that there's, there's the crop plan, there's the budget, there's the sales strategy. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit better with crop plan and budget than I am sales strategy. Like most of that, I kind of keep in my head and it's, it's pretty variable. And I kind of roll with how things are going and, you know, my expectations tend to be, fairly workable for the most part like I'm I'm decent with numbers and so I can you know my projections have tended I mean also we've been doing it this is this is going to be our starting our 12th year this year so I'm I'm getting I'm getting a handle on it slowly you know I'm certainly no expert but one of the things that I've been really experiencing is is again just like how helpful it is to actually put it all down on paper and that how much easier it gets each year because of that. Cause you can look back at what happened last year, you can look back at the budget, you can look back at the planning. And and it makes me less less likely to get caught off guard by by unexpected expenses. That was one of the things that was really tough and has been really tough over the last few years is you're kind of going along and all of a sudden, wham, big bill that I didn't expect. Shoot. And, and so the more that I'm getting better at paying attention and remembering and having the budget and having the spreadsheet, um, and then also just tracking the numbers, you know, knowing what's where, uh, what's coming due, all those things, you know, having, you know, maintaining a uh, receivables and, and, um, you know, knowing what's going to come in when, what do I need to follow up on and. And, and then also all the, the, you know, the various licensure stuff, the paperwork stuff for the farm, and, and that's, a, it's a lot of work, you know, um, kind of fighting with the, with, with the state and the county right now, trying to figure out the permitting process again for the, the renewals and hoping for some equity waivers, you know, some fee waivers, because there's a lot of fees. <laughs> and so, like I said earlier, I spent most of the day on the computer today, but also like playing around with some new stuff that I've never really done much of like I'm kind of looking at, at grant possibilities you know looking at um some of the NRCS the the uh high tunnel grants and healthy soils grant type stuff and CDFW is starting to do some grant stuff and and so I'm playing around with budgets right and I'm like I'm making a list of all the things I want to buy and whether it's I buy them cuz I need them for the farm or whether I buy them cuz I can get some sort of a grant like a lot of The difficulty with grants is a lot of time you got to come out of pocket for it first. And then once you've spent the money and done the work, maybe you can get reimbursed for it. So it's no, I don't know that it's like a, it's certainly no foolproof plan. Um, but it's also, it's like making me really sharpen my skills where I'm like in the spreadsheet and I'm putting in the various things for like, for instance, what I would order for an irrigation supply order in the spring. And so I'm putting them in there, the cost, the you know, the cost per unit, the number of units, the total cost, the name of the thing, and then also figuring out how to link the the link to where I would buy them from. So if it's a Dripworks purchase, I can put the link to the Dripworks page where I would buy them from. And and all of this this technology, you know, these, this computer stuff is, has never been my scene. Like I'm always the write it down on a piece of paper guy. Um... And so one of the things I was kind of getting into is this, you know, kind of website versus catalog. Because it's always the old joke about, you know, farmer porn, seed catalogs and uh, uh, equipment catalogs. And you're sitting there making notes and then, you make a circle on this one. I'm going to order that one. And I got my funky piece of paper that's all scribbled and scratched out and re-scribbled and re-scratched out from what I'm going to order this year from Dripworks or whatever. And so this morning I'm working on this budget and I'm filling in this spreadsheet and I'm kind of going back and forth from the website and I'm looking, you know, the whole like add to cart and whatnot and I'm thinking to myself like, man, this is actually pretty simple because usually I make my list on a piece of paper and then I call into the store and I relate it all to the lady and you know the phone's breaking up and just you know was that the was that the one you want? Which one is the one you want? And. And it's like, well, on the website, I can just click on all the things and get exactly what I want. And I can place the order, you know, at 6 in the morning when I'm futzing around on it drinking coffee. And so it's just kind of funny. I've been just reflecting on back and forth about the the difference between, you know, website and catalog and whether I'm starting to make a kind of a paradigm shift in that. I'll tell you, though, I'm slacking on my crop planning. Like, I I got it all up to date to the end of the year. And then I kept figuring, like, oh, you know, we're going to get some rainy days and I'll, I'll do some updating. And, uh, well, we've just been planting instead because it's been real sunny. You uh, know, uh, on the flip side of it is like the hoops are almost all the beds in the hoops are full. Like, I got, I got one more bed I got to clear and replant. And then next week there's a bed that's going to get cleared and replanted. And then we're, you know, I got eight. Eight times four, 32 beds planted in the hoops, banging. Um, stuff's, bunch of stuff. Most of it's like several weeks out still, but I think uh, I think we're going to get back to farmer's market this coming week, so happy day. We'll be back at the farmer's market on Monday at Harwood. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. It's been a long hiatus for us, you know. We knocked off at the beginning of September because we didn't have the water to, to push through into fall crops this year, and then, you know, I had big plans to be back at the beginning of January, but... That fell through because I got real sick, was too burnt out, etc. so I, I missed some some key planting windows in December, and so I got those things planted in January. So now first week of February. Um, definitely excited to get back out, see everybody. Um, it's it's going to be good. So you know to kind of round out this section. as much of a pain on the front end as the data entry is it ends up being really really helpful over time. And so it's it's and it's kind of like anything else in life, you got to front load some of the work. You got to do some of the effort first to really reap the benefits and and this is one of those years where I'm starting to see it happen at, at a time where it's it's crucial for me because for our, you know, for our farm because we are having to make so many cuts and we are having to streamline and be more efficient and not waste time and not waste energy. And so the planning helps to do that. And it's, and, and I can look at different ways of doing that, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, cause I was thinking today, like right now I've been doing, I'm clearing beds and, I, and I'm cutting off the veggies at the, at the soil surface with a, with a hand scythe. And I'm, and that way I'm leaving the roots in. So they'll break down, they'll add to the microorganic activity. I'm clearing the biomass off the top to feed to the rabbits and the chickens and the pigs. And I'm getting, and then I'm putting some compost down, running the tiller, getting the bed ready. The tiller is a little battery-operated guy that that'll mix the top two inches or so with a, you know compost and get it make a nice smooth seed bed for direct seeding. And and so I, I was kind of thinking about, well, I could be using the the greens harvester and just cutting low and really just hacking everything down. And then putting some plastic down for a few days, some black plastic to heat it up and kill what's left underneath. Then I could put some compost down, run the tilther. And so I'm kind of back and forth about like, because doing it with the hand side is pretty slow and pretty laborious. Whereas doing it with the greens harvester would probably take eight eight minutes, six minutes, like not very long. So just always evaluating the practices Looking at ways to be able to make it easier, um, the I, the asparagus I, we had pretty much lost our row of asparagus to weeds, and and so rather than spending a, you know, three quarters of a day or so pulling the weeds, I mowed it real low. I put down a bunch of compost. I put cardboard and straw over the top, and you know, if it was wetter, the cardboard would start breaking down as it is. It's just a shield basically from the sun to kill the weeds underneath. As soon as the asparagus starts sprouting through, and you know, once we get into March, I'll be watching them, but as soon as those asparagus start to sprout through, I'll pull the cardboard off to the side, put it into the pathway where it can kill some more weeds, and, and let the asparagus do their thing. They've gotten some good fertility, they've gotten a jump start, they're not having so much competition from the weeds. So I'm just always especially as i get a little older every year looking for ways to work harder (laughs) work harder work smarter not harder you know these old cliches and just trying to figure out how to make the job sustainable so that i can continue to do it um and that we as as a farm family can continue to do it with the changing market conditions the changing economic realities so uh the funny thing about planning i've been you know talking about planning a bunch and and No matter what, and and this, I always used to use this as an excuse not to do it, like a lot of times plans change. Uh, And so it's like, well, why make plans if it's going to change anyway? But the reality of it is that the better you get at making plans, the less likely there are to be surprises, and then when there are surprises, you're not overwhelmed by too many surprises, so you can roll with the punches. And where I'm going with this is uh, firewood which is kind of a transition from farming, but also kind of in the same general category, homesteading, life, etc. Uh, and so, you know, we burn so much firewood in December, pretty much burned two, two and a half months worth of firewood. Like the wood stove pretty much never went out. Uh, and, and up on the hill, you know, we get the inversion layer, so it's a little warmer generally. And And so, you know, coming through the end of December, I was like, wow, I don't have enough firewood. And, I, you know, my, I had planned and <laughs> had thought that I had plenty put away for winter. And uh, and so January helped, you know, nice and dry. Well, l- would have liked more rain, but nice and warm uh, up on the hill. And so we didn't burn very much firewood. But I was still kind of skimping on it, like mornings when I probably should have made a fire and just, like, put an extra layer on because, well, you know, we're kind of light on firewood and it's but just cold in the house. <laughs> And so we went out and cut, cut a couple loads of wood the other day, me and me and my brother, and there's a couple things I was going to get into about that. Uh, one, you, you know, uh, when when the smell of chainsaw gas, like, takes you back, <laughs> you, you know, you're rural. <laughs> so we are cutting wood, and I was just really getting a kick out of it, but also thinking about... Smelling two-stroke and thinking about little chainsaw, little electric chainsaws and such, and and it seems like they, you know, they've really come a long way with these battery battery operated chainsaws. I got a little one, right, a little twelve-inch bar that's phenomenal for for limbing up things and cutting up little chunks and such. But it's not really, it's not a firewood beast or anything. And so I was kind of talking about this with some people, and they were saying to me like, well, yeah, like the you know the chainsaw companies are starting to make sizable chainsaws that you know that run on powerful uh, batteries and and you don't have to run the gas anymore and, and that was really um that was kind of a surprise to me i hadn't realized that there were you know there were kind of some of these larger models available so i'm gonna try and save myself up some money and and see what it all looks like but so uh, you know we're cutting on this old oak that's been down for a couple of years um and i'm just kind of reflecting and thinking back about how much firewood i've cut in my life and and how much i love it it's like it's it's kind of a almost like a pastime for me (laughs) or something when i was a kid i used to cut wood for for money and stuff you know working and selling firewood to the folks or the grandma ma or whatever and like before you get on me like well you should have been doing that for the good of the family like I was doing work for the good of the family too, and then also I was cutting firewood and selling it. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of one of those things that that I, I suppose just like farming kind of gets in the blood, where it's part of it's part of the fabric of life, and it, it's something that that really does it for me. You know, loading up the truck and you doing, you know, you feeling your body working. At the end of the day, you're sore, and then you go drink a cider or whatever. <laughs> and so i you know to kind of bring it all the way back around it's it's this again this idea of of ritual of routine of life that that the more we're able to to kind of build that constancy and those sets of expectations accurate planning that gives us the ability to to kind of prepare for and expect what's coming and and to be able to maintain those expectations um it makes life a lot smoother. And in a, in this day and age, in a time when like life doesn't feel very smooth a lot of the time and it feels really stressful, I'm um, I'm definitely treasuring some of these routines and some of these, you know, these practices and coming back around to things again. And, you know, it's here we are in February. So I'm starting seeds again and, and just kind of rolling with all the processes and, and, um that that's it's very grounding it's very helpful and for you know a time when a lot when i often feel very unmoored and very uncertain it's nice to to get my hands in the dirt and and really you know do the physical labor with my body and kind of and and not have to think so much not have to you know to just be able to do the work and so whether it's cooking and, and food preparation and shared meals with family, whether it's self-care, hiking or taking a bath or you know, whatever it is that does it for you. Um, and And also, you know the 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 human relationships that that make up family, that make up friendships and community, all these things are, I think are, more important than ever now at a time when it's, it feels like it's kind of easy to let some of them slip and let things go by the wayside. And so it's, you know, that's one of the things I'm really trying to, I'm uh, especially with getting back to farmer's market, I'm really looking forward to is, you know, kind of reestablishing some of those market time relationships, getting to see people because it's easy to just hunker down. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that the interaction part of human interaction is, is really important. It's what, it's a big part of what makes us human. And so as these, you know, we're starting to get into these little bit longer days. It's nice. It's not quite, it's not dark at 4.30 anymore. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we're starting to move. The light's coming back. Everybody's kind of waking up and the blood's starting to flow and hope springs eternal. Um, it's a good time for, for, you know, touching base and checking in with, with friends and family and seeing how everybody's doing and, you know, we're kind of all riding this roller coaster and so sometimes people are at the high point when other people are at the low point and it's, it's good to have that kind of back and forth and that sharing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so you know, as always, it's it's lovely to have the opportunity to. Put, put some words out on the airwaves, um, enjoying the sunshine, hoping for rain soon, need some, need some good downtime still, it's too early to be going full steam, need some time for planning, <laughs> working on the spreadsheets and the budgets, and you know, I've been thinking a lot about the planning process, and especially with, with budgets and spreadsheets, where like a few years ago, I would just feel so overwhelmed by them. And I would make these really simple, basic things. And it was all that I could manage to do. And and it's like anything else. It's, you know, it's practice. You keep doing it. You keep plugging away at it. And you get better at it over time. And so this is the first year. And, and again, like I'm certainly, I'm, I'm a novice. I'm no, you know, I got a long, long way to go. A lot of learning to do with it. But this is the first year where I'm kind of like, oh, wow, I see these tools Really starting to work for me. This crop planning—I've mentioned it before—but we've been working with a program called Tend, and it's 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 a little spendy. You know, it's a few hundred bucks a year, but um, it gives me the ability to just to lay out my whole garden and look at it on the map. It uses like a Google Earth type program, so I can look at the actual garden on the map, lay out all the beds, and then I can tell it what I want to plant in each bed. And it's got all these different functions and features. And a lot of them I'm not even able to use really in terms of like the, the work plan stuff and the, and the plan for how much harvest is going to come in and what the sales are. Like you can run it all the way through. And, and I have not, that's, that's like on the goal to, to continue to get better at. But I got a ways to go with it. <laughs> and that's, that's life, that's farming. There's always a ways to go.